Bibles, uh, we can turn to 1 Peter, or 1 Peter chapter 2. I like these nights, I like our, we, we come, we have only a couple each year, Good Friday, Christmas Eve, but there are special times that we gather, remembering very particular parts of our faith. Um, you know, if Jesus didn't rise, we'd be most to be pitied. We truly would. We'd be foolish for worshiping a Savior who never rose from the grave. Um, but it's because he rose. It's because of Sunday. We echo the words of Paul in Galatians 6.14 where he says, But far be it from me to boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. What foolish words those would be if Jesus did not rise. Do you realize that? What foolish words. But they're beautiful words when we realize he rose. And so tonight, we're just going to take a few moments. We're going to look at what Jesus did on that cross. What, what did he accomplish? And so I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 2, just verses 21 to 25. And it says this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I just want to pray. I just want to look at this text. Father, Father, I, I just pray bless this time. Bless this time where now we just look at your word, where the author that you have used, you've inspired for him to write this text for, for several purposes, and one of them is just that we would know what happened on that day. And what your son Jesus accomplished at the cross. God, may this text encourage us. May it strengthen us. May it convict us. And God, may you be glorified. In your name, Jesus, amen. Um, Paul gives us two reasons for why Jesus died on the cross. Um, verse 21, he says, we learn that Jesus' death on the cross is an example for how we are to live. He says, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. The idea of following in his steps, if you were teaching your child how to draw, you might draw out, the, or teaching, her how to, teaching them how to write, you might write the, the letter A, and then your child would trace the letter A. You might write, write the letter B, and then they will trace the letter B. So that's, that's what these words are meaning when we follow in Jesus' steps, that we would trace his life, that our life would look like Jesus. And so then Peter, wanting us to know what Jesus' life looks like, in verses 21 through 24, he traces it out for us. Um, but that's not the, the picture that we're going to focus on tonight, or the reason that we're going to focus on tonight. We're going to primarily focus on the second reason that Peter gives for why Jesus died on the cross. And we find the second one in verse 24. 
There it says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And then we read, By His wounds you've been healed. That's what we're going to focus on tonight. By His wounds we have been healed. So what does Peter mean by that, though? What does Peter mean? By Jesus' wounds... By his death, we are healed. Well, one way we could answer that is by what Peter says right before that. That we are now, that we die to sin and we live to righteousness. Those are two sides of the same coin. If we die to sin, then we're now living in righteousness. And we know that sin, sin is rebellion to God. Um, and because of sin, we do not live righteous lives. Rather, we live in a way that Rather than live in a way that honors God, we live in a way that honors ourselves, that magnifies ourselves. And so when Peter says we've been healed, he's referring to the fact that no longer do we live in a way that defies God, that rejects God, but now we live differently. We live in a way that pleases God. We live in a way that, that honors Him. A change has taken place. A transformation has taken place. Or as Paul says, In 2 Corinthians 5, we become a new creation. Or as Jesus says in John chapter 3, we've been born again. But Peter is not content with this definition alone. He wants us to see something. He's driving at something particular. He wants us to have a picture in our mind of what it means that we're dead to sin and we live to righteousness. And we see that picture in verse 25. So in verse 25, he says, For you were straying like sheep. I just want you to think about that. Before Christ, we are a sheep that stray from our shepherd. And our sin, um, we, we wander from the shepherd, but we don't. We don't accidentally get lost. We didn't just happen to walk away from the shepherd and get out of of his eyesight. And it's not because the shepherd wasn't paying attention that we just seemed to have wandered off. No, we, we wanted to stray. We intentionally strayed. We deliberately, with our wills, defied the shepherd, and we made our own way. And when we go back to the garden... And we look at Adam and Eve, we, we see this. God says, I mean, just think of this in like shepherding language. God is the shepherd, Adam and Eve are the sheep. Okay, just, just think of it like that. And he says, I give you everything. I give you everything. You have rule over every part of creation. And you can go wherever you want. You can eat of whatever you want. But there's one tree, the knowledge, of tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that tree. That's the one area that you're not to go. But I give you everything else. And where do these sheep go? They go exactly where the shepherd has told them not to go. They willfully, they deliberately strayed from the hand of the shepherd. And they rejected him. They ate from the tree. Like foolish sheep, they purposely wandered from the shepherd and did exactly what he told them not to do. And because we come from Adam and Eve, you can only guess what we do as well. We're sheep and we stray. We intentionally, deliberately, 
stray from the moment we are born. We reject the very will of God. Now, sin is deceiving. And so you see, we, we don't think we need a shepherd. We think that we are big and tough and strong sheep. We think that we can do what we want and go where we want. We think that we are sheep that are trailblazers. Have you ever seen a trailblazing sheep? That's what we think we are. We'll cut the path. We'll cut the trail. We'll go where we want. We're strong. We're tough. But no matter how big and tough we are, guess what? We're still sheep. And what can a big, tough, strong sheep do against the wolves and the lions in this world? The strongest, toughest sheep, guess what? Still a weak sheep. And that's what we are. Sin is so deceiving. It makes us think that we're independent. It makes us think that we have no need of a shepherd. It makes us think that we are righteous and that the way that we choose is right and what we want to do is best for us and for others. We think that we can accomplish all that we want. And so, so that is how we live our life. Um, But what happens when bad things happen? What happens when things don't work out the way you planned? Do you ever have that happen? We have a testimony today that things happen. What do we often do? We often blame others. We point our fingers at those that keep us from getting the very things that we want. We play the victim card. This is so popular in culture, and it goes right back to to Genesis chapter 3. Remember, God shows up in the garden. They have sinned. He says, what'd you do? So Adam speaks, and he says, well, God, the woman you gave me. So he's like, it's her fault, and you gave her to me, so it's your fault too. Maybe if you'd give me someone else, maybe someone better. He began to blame. And we do the exact same thing. We blame others. We blame others for our circumstances. We blame others for the things that we don't have. But what's really the problem? The problem is, and what Peter wants us to know, is that we're straying sheep and the problem's not out there, but it's in our hearts. It's in our very, very hearts. It's the fact that we've rebelled against God. It's because we rebel against God and we have sinful hearts that that's why we experience pain and hurt and loss and why we experience dissatisfaction. You know, we experience dissatisfaction even when we get everything we want. Do you realize that? Because it's not enough or after we obtain it, it begins to lose its luster, doesn't it? You ever get a new iPhone? You ever want another new iPhone? And then another new iPhone? And of course, because we are sinful, we've offended God, and the ultimate consequence is not just the things that we'll experience here on earth, but that we experience his eternal judgment. And so what does Jesus do? What happens on Good Friday? Well, that's what Peter's unearthing here. And so what I want to do is we read Peter, and actually we already read Isaiah 53, but I want to read some of it again because Peter pulls from Isaiah 53. He wants to use the language that Isaiah uses, and he wants to bring it 
right in front of us so that we would see it lived out. He doesn't want us to miss it. And so let me just read a little bit from Isaiah. This is verses 3 through 7. Some of it that we've already read Peter, you're going to begin to hear it as Peter has echoed this. This is what Isaiah says. He says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that's before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. So there's so much there. One thing. One thing I want us to see. Verse 7. Like a lamb that's led to slaughter. That's who Jesus is, like a lamb that is led, that is led, to, led to the slaughter. Now, what does Peter say we are? What does Isaiah say we are? He says we're sheep. He says we are sheep. We've strayed. And so what does Jesus come as? He comes as a lamb, but a perfect lamb. So he would be our substitute. So he would stand in our place. We are sinful sheep that have strayed from the shepherd. What we need is a perfect sheep. And so Jesus comes and we see his perfection. Verse 4 in Isaiah. He bore our griefs, carried our sorrows. He did not die for his sins. He dies for our sins. Verse 5. Pierced for our transgressions. Crushed for our iniquities. And guess what? He does it willingly. Look at verse 7. He doesn't open his mouth. He doesn't resist. In fact, in Peter, when we go back to Peter, he says, when he was reviled, what did he do? He did not revile in return. When he, was, when he suffered, he made no, th- no threats. Now, just think about this. The threats you and I could make at that moment might not be much. But what threats could Jesus have made on that cross? Just think about that for a moment. He's the one who created everything. He could snap his fingers and they just die right there. He could have done whatever he wanted to them. He's all powerful. In fact, he was sustaining their lives at that moment as they nailed him to the cross. And he did not revile them. He did not threaten them, but he remained silent. You see, Jesus was on a mission, and the mission was that he would go to the cross for our sins. And notice what happens because of his death. Look look back at verses 24 and 25 in Peter. He says, we're healed and have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. So get this. Jesus becomes the lamb, so he would then become our shepherd. That's what he does on the cross. He becomes the lamb, the perfect lamb, that he would die in our place so that then he would be the shepherd who would shepherd us and guide us. And because, it's because we are straying sheep that he came. 
that he would be the perfect sheep and he dies on the cross so that we're healed. And the fact that we're healed means that now we're dead to sin and we now live a righteous life. And we know that doesn't mean we're perfect now, right? We still mess up. We still sin. You sinned before you came here today. You might have even sinned since you've been here today. Um, probably need to confess some sins. Uh, but we sin. But what it is now, we now have a heart that desires to please God, a heart that longs to serve Him, a heart that desires to see God glorified. We want to now follow the shepherd. And when we realize we haven't followed Him, what do we do? We repent, we ask forgiveness, and we continue to follow the shepherd. Because Peter wants us to see that Jesus goes and He dies on the cross so we'd be healed. And what does that mean? We now follow the shepherd. We no longer stray. So I just want to encourage you, at the cross, Jesus became the lamb, the perfect lamb, that he would die in our place. So he'd pay the penalty of your sin and my sin. So he'd heal us. He'd give us new hearts that we'd now follow him, that we'd now follow him as our good shepherd. We'd joyfully obey his commands, we'd read his word, we'd seek to make him known. That's what happens at the cross that Jesus has done, that Jesus died on the cross for us. So I'm going to pray. I think the team is not going to close this in a song. So I'm going to, clo- I'm going to, I'm going to pray, and then we're dismissed. And I want to encourage you as we go out, just encourage one another. Spend time with one another and just say, just give a word of why you're thankful for what Jesus did on the cross. And, uh, and when we gather back on Sunday, uh, we, we know Easter is sometimes a day, the churches are a little bit more full, and, and we're kind of already full here on Sundays, uh, which is just going to be even more fun, right? Uh, so I just want to encourage you, as you come on Sunday, uh, just be mindful. Let's try to squeeze in. Let's just make room for what we can. We do have some extra space. Uh, But if we can all just be mindfully thinking, uh, we need to make as much room as we can on Sunday as we gather. And let me pray, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Father, Father, you sent your son to die on the cross so that our wicked, sinful, straying hearts would be healed. And I pray that we never forget that. I pray we remember that every single day. That you have healed our hearts. That is the objective truth that your Father declares over us because we've believed in the Son. We trust in that declaration more than our feelings that sometimes make us think many different things. And Lord, may we know that because of you, the blood of your son, Jesus, that we've been healed. We've been given new hearts. Your spirit now dwells within us that we would follow you, that we would walk after you, that we would joyfully seek to obey you and to tell others about you. And so, Father, I pray that even as we dismiss tonight, that we would practice that in the way we encourage one another. May our love that's displayed tonight be a testimony of the fact that our hearts have been healed And we now long to follow the shepherd. Father, we thank you for the grace of your son, Jesus. In your wonderful name, amen.